Super mega nuke job. You are Don Alvarez. Yeah. Oh my God. That was the highlight of game one of the ALDS and the NLDS. We had all four. We've got both in the NLDS game two today. American League gets a day off. What we are going to do each time, we're going to recap the games that were the day before. We're going to preview the games that will be uh, in just a matter of hours. Jack, Peter, Aram, this is uh, attempt number two, success number two of getting all three of us on uh, this week in the postseason. We kind of cheated by not doing an episode yesterday, but you know what? It was it was a mammoth one on months on uh, Monday. But I mean, we've got a lot to dive into here, man. The Phillies steal one in Atlanta. Max Fried looks very very human, and then Justin Verlander looks very very human but Jordan looks the opposite of very very human uh and then here we are the Yankees outlast King Cal Quantrill you guys were both there and then Julio Rios does Julio Rios things until the Padres kind of get to him but Mike Clevenger sucked so yeah that is the essence of what we got to talk about we'll work chronologically uh but before we do that how was it being in a playoff game at Yankee Stadium gentlemen I'll grab a couple quick words first because I know Peter can really get into this. I I was just witnessing Peter's joy uh, as he kind of took in, you know, just I, I I don't know what it feels like, to be honest, to, to have your team, you know, have a playoff game like that in the environment that that it was like. And it was funny because I was going into that. Like, I wonder how much of the Yankee fandom is going to come out for Peter here. And you could just kind of see the roots of Peter just pulled out because of how insane the environment was. Right. Like Yankees fans were so into it being in City Field earlier this week. And I don't want to make this like a, a Mets Yankees thing, but Peter brought this up, too. And again, I won't steal all his thunder there, but it was just so cool to see. Yankees fans really believe on a different level than you're seeing a lot of other fans. And it was just a lot of fun to watch uh, them just feel really amped up about this series. What you didn't make it a Mets Yankees thing. You just made it a Marlins Yankees thing. And you're always going to lose that battle, which is really tough. Correct. Correct. But the environment was unbelievable. And the Yankees just do a good job of putting on a show. Like it was, it was just a really good show, whether it was the lights, whether it was, you know, all the pregame stuff, Nick Swisher waving a flag, but then the fans on a different level, you know, just have this, this level of believe that you didn't really see at city field. And, and you kind of feed off of that. Even if you don't have a horse in the race, like I didn't. It's so funny how people talk about Garrett Cole during the regular season. And you <laughs> say believe and Garrett Cole in the same ballpark here. It's kind of weird, but Garrett Cole shoved, and I'm sure the energy there was infectious, Peter. Yeah, we're going to talk about the individual game later. We're going to go yeah. in chronological order, but just the difference in energy. I mean, Arm and I were in City Field for Game 2 with Jacob deGrom on the mound in an elimination game, and it was a lot of fun. But I think we talked about it that, yes, it was sold out, but not every seat was filled. Fast forward to Yankee Stadium, Game 1. I don't know if I've ever been in a in a spot with more energy than there was at Yankee Stadium. Or at least it's in the top two or three of games I've ever been to. I've been to a playoff game once, I think, uh, with the Yankees, but that was unbelievable. And I was in the stadium too when I was working there, but, I mean, 
just an infectious crowd that was unbelievably awesome to be a part yeah. of. And like, yeah, my fandom, like I, I just caught myself feeling like a little boy. Like I was rooting for Cal. Of course, he's my guy, but my Yankee fandom came out. And I was just like, screw the bet, screw everything. Go Yankees. But overall, just a crazy game. So I, I'm going to hold it, but I need you to walk me through your, you know, transition of emotions during that Donaldson Homer slash uh, nine <laughs> to to four put out on a single that he was dogging. But I don't blame him because, you know, he thought he he hit a nuke and I, I thought he hit a nuke. Everybody thought he hit a nuke. But we will get to that momentarily. Let's start with the opener yesterday, which was Braves Phillies. I mean, Max Freed, man. Aram, you and I were talking to uh, our friend Ben Stevens uh, on Sports Grid yesterday, and you pushed back on me saying Julio Arias is the best lefty in baseball by saying, I think the guy that gets the ball in a matter of hours, Max Freed, is the best lefty in baseball. Um, I, I You obviously can't make a, a claim off of one start in the NLDS because we've seen Max do it for the last couple of years, but... Freed really struggled yesterday, man. I mean, he was falling behind 2-0, 3-0. It was bizarre to see Max Freed function like that. And, I mean, Ranger Suarez had a horseshoe up his ass like I haven't seen before. <laughs> I mean, you've seen it. We'll, we'll get to Cal Quantrill. He, he's got that same horseshoe. They've, they've got the same recipe. But, you know, M Max Freed, I, I was I was shocked, man. I, I really was shocked, especially because of the importance of this start, right? We we talk about the way the pitching matches up and, you know, that the, the Phillies are able to to really outlast them here and not have to, you know, use a, a Wheeler or Nola start to get a win uh, when they need two more wins to advance is, is, is pretty huge. Um, Freed did just simply didn't didn't hold up his end of the bargain. He didn't have to dominate. The, the Braves still ended up putting up six runs. They got to the bullpen. They knocked out Suarez before that. Like they the, the offense did everything that you could ask of the offense, but Freed put them in almost an insurmountable position, which can't be done by your ace here. And, you know, we're not going to pick on Freed. This is going to be the trend of the episode. It's going to be aces kind of, you know, not holding up their end of the bargain, but, but that's been the theme of the postseason so that's far for close. the most part, unless you're the Guardians. So, you know, it, it's it's not unique to Freed, but it definitely put them in a spot where it was almost insurmountable. That said, the Braves almost won, and I, I still think they're going to come out swinging uh, the next couple games. Again, we we got to negate that because the Yankees ace did hold up their end of the bargain, but we'll oh, get to momentarily. Facts. But yeah, man, I mean, Freed just he did not look right, and there was something about it, and there was something about his his body language that just didn't scream confidence the way it has over the last couple of postseasons. And I think it's because you fall down that early and that, you know, by that much. It was really weird to take in. I also think that it's, you know, Freed's been a guy who's been able to limit hard contact, like just do a really good job of inducing soft contact. 92nd percentile on average exit velocity, 90th percentile on hard hit rate. He gave up eight balls yesterday, hit over 95 miles an hour, just getting barreled. The command wasn't there. He was missing middle. It just wasn't a good start from a guy who it almost seemed like it was a lock for him to pitch really well, even though the Phillies were gaining momentum from that wild card series. You know, Freed has performed well against the Phillies in the past. The Phillies are a high-powered offense, and when they're rolling, almost no pitcher can dominate them. But if there was a pitcher to do so in the National League, you would give that to Freed. Just credit the Phillies' offense here because Freed didn't have it, but even when Freed doesn't have it, it's still hard to hit him, and the Phillies kind of 
ran up on him. Yeah. And what I will say is, I thought this game could be a drastic momentum swing. Like in the sixth or seventh inning, I was thinking, oh, wow, the Phillies may be here to stay. That Matt Olson three-run homer at the end, I know they didn't win game one, but that was the best thing to happen to the Atlanta Braves because I think that they just got a little bit of momentum back. They know yeah. that they can hang in high score. It was 7-1. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can say, hey, our ace, you know, came out and, and folded to a degree and you know, we still almost came back and won at seven to one. The one thing I will say too is, is I don't know if we'll see even even though it was freed, it's gonna be hard for the Phillies to match that against any of the other Braves pitching. And I will say though, as Peter mentioned, the offense has been great, and and you got to give credit where credit's due. Nick Castellanos, you know, having an absolute game. Not only did he have three hits, but also with that game winning catch basically in the after. Which which how would you imagine the game ending that way? But Bryce Harper, <laughs> you know, Bryce Harper's been banged up. And, and it's just not been right and, and kind of limped to the finish line quite literally and figuratively uh, at the end of the season. And he's kind of kicked it in gear. Three more hits yesterday. Uh, Bryce, this team we talked about is only going to go as far as Bryce Harper takes them. But if they got Nick Castellanos swinging it too, which we know he's capable of, right? Like this isn't some crazy, you know, phenomenon. If Nick Castellanos has a nice postseason here, this team looks a lot different. In the bottom of the lineup, too, I mean, you have Alec Bohm again with a hit yesterday. He's hitting 333 in the postseason. Gene Segura, two hits for himself. Matt Veerling went over three, but he hit two balls over 95 miles an hour. And Mundo Sosa, again, with the big hit as well. It's the bottom of the lineup we're going to talk about in the Padres Dodgers series. It's like if you can get production from these guys who you're not technically supposed to get a ton of production, the lineup is so deep and you can really hit anybody. When the Phillies are rolling one through nine, they are dangerous. And I know in real time, we were talking about Robbie Grossman. Peter, you were very quick to jump on the Robbie Grossman is a great addition for this Braves lineup bandwagon. I think as the back half of the season played on from the deadline and moving forward the last two months, I think Edmundo Sosa became one of the best sneaky deadline acquisitions. And we talked about that in the regular season, but you know, Sosa is a guy that adds something to this Phillies lineup that they didn't necessarily have. They had a lot of boppers. Edmundo Sosa flies. That doesn't always correlate to stolen bases, but he moves so well. He's a good defender. Yeah. He, he and Brandon Marsh kind of filled the same need. You need more than one guy to do that. They got two. Those were two very good additions at the deadline by Dombrowski. Speed and defense. Speed yeah. and defense. And, you know, we got to give Dombrowski a lot of credit. You know, he went out and added the right pieces, and now this Phillies team is rolling. And I don't think any of us would be surprised at this point if the Phillies ended up winning this series against the Braves. I'm I'm gonna keep on. I'll still on be them. shocked. Yeah, I'd still be shocked, man. Like, so I've got a, a former college roommate who texts me every time I say something that could be perceived as somewhat negative about the Philadelphia Phillies, and he's like, "You're an asshole," and I'm like, "I know I am." I totally understand that I'm an asshole in regards to the Philadelphia Phillies, but I mean, this is just going to be the team. I'm telling you, if they continue to advance, I'm never going to say that the Phillies are going to win it. You know, it's if they do get by Atlanta and they see the Dodgers, do we really so, think the Phillies are going to beat the Dodgers? If they do get by them. the Dodgers, there are Red Sox this year. Then if they, that's the only way they'll, they'll be the, the Boston Red Sox for us this year, but are the Phillies not the Boston Red Sox of last year? Uh, yeah, because I'm saying, well, if that happens, then they win the series. That means yes, exactly. So I, mean, I will, I will deny it until they go. I also, though, here's my big concern with the Phillies, and um, 
I mean, again, winning the first game helps them immensely because you, you want to split that on the front end in a five-game set. I mean, you're in great shape with your two horses kind of waiting for you. But they're, they're most reliable reliever. One of the few guys I really trust at this point. I know Alvarado's been great. I know they've had some other guys that have really stepped up, but losing Robertson stinks. And, I mean, Sir Anthony Dominguez has been the dude. He went two innings. So so now, you know, you, you, I don't know if he's available. Uh, he did keep the pitch count relatively low, I think 18 pitches. But yeah, are they going to go back-to-back with him? Does he get a day off today? How does their bullpen look when when Sir Anthony Dominguez is unavailable? And, you know, who's going to step up out of that bullpen? We saw it almost implode, even with two really strong innings out of Sir Anthony. Uh, they're going to need Wheeler and Nola to go like seven, which is very possible. But I feel like that's what they're going to need here because I, I still – I know the bullpen has performed – but I don't trust this bullpen in the postseason, especially Sands Robertson and just the just the way that they've been riding Sir Anthony. I wouldn't Wait. be surprised if they sweep if they swept. Oh god. Oh, dude, shut up. Shut up. It, it, but I have I the Phillies say. series, Bryce. I, I think the Phillies will win the series. I do. And swept. I wouldn't be surprised if swept. they go so Wheeler. You said swept. Swept yes. and winning the series are yes. different things. I wouldn't be surprised if Wheeler and Nola get these two wins and they win 3-0. So what I will say is the way Wheeler and Nola are pitching, it feels more probable than possible that they both go seven. I mean, think about it. It's going to be Wheeler versus Kyle Wright, and then you're going to have a combination of probably Charlie Morton and Spencer Strider against Aaron Nola. Dude. Could they not win both of those games with they how could. well this offense is hitting they, right of now? Of course they could, but you know that's I, why that's why like you guys gave me the oh like no way. It's like it's very possible. I, I just I don't I don't think they get swept. I think there's almost no way. They've they've beat Aaron Nola several times this year. He's like a three six seven ERA against him this season. I, you know, Wheeler definitely has looked great, but again, we we just have seen every ace for the most part, besides a couple guys, get bludgeoned and yeah. against lesser lineups. We're we're talking about a Braves lineup that's as good as any in baseball. They just put up six runs. You know, I, again, the issue was their pitching. I think the Braves pitching will, will come together here. And and ultimately, if they can keep the Phillies under five runs, I really think ultimately the Braves are going to be able to grind it out. I, I, I just think the way that we've seen offense kind of tick up against some of these better arms, I don't I don't see the Phillies being an exception to this. Besides, again, it was only really Garrett Cole and Shane Bieber. And we talked about Cleveland doing it against the worst lineup in playoff history. Yeah. And, you know, Garrett Cole, obviously, it should be dealing against this this Cleveland team the, the the way that he is you know been able to pitch sometimes against them. I, I just I, I think they're going to grind them out. I, I I don't see how the Braves get swept. I think it's almost impossible. I think I'm entrenched in the Philly magic. I'm feeling it. I think you feeling are. it, Philly. I think, I think you they are. got a real shot, and then I think they're going to roll into Los Angeles, and I think they're going to give them a run for their money too. This is a. I mean, remember this is. Um, I mean, the Braves won it last year. The 88 win Braves, the wild card Braves, the 2019 Nationals. It's not always, it's always a team that comes out of nowhere and ends up maybe winning this team, this thing. And I think the Phillies could be that team this year. Atlanta won the division last year with 88 wins, if I'm not mistaken, right? I think you're, uh, what were they? Were they the wild card team? No, yeah, no, they won the I think division, they won the division. It's an 88 win team. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think people were picking the Braves to win that World no. Series. No, not at all. Um, all right, let, let's jump to Seattle and Houston because you mentioned aces were hammered. Justin Verlander, who's going to run away with the American League Cy Young this year, four innings, 10 hits, six runs, all earned, three strikeouts across four innings and one walk. This was not Justin Verlander. And, and you got to give credit to Seattle. I mean, J-Rod oh, yeah. set the tone with a rocket off of Huli, or off of uh, Justin Verlander. And I mean, that first inning, Seattle jumped ahead early 
they were up for nothing before we went to the bottom of the second inning. I mean, they ambushed Justin Verlander. I thought it was over. I mean, I, I you always have in the back of your head, kind of like in that Philly Braves game that, of course, the Astros are going to come back. They're just too good. But that seemed like almost a momentum killer immediately. The Mariners jumped on him. Cal Raleigh with the big hit, too. You said to yourself, Ty France. These They just ambushed Justin Verlander. It's 4-0. And then you see the Astros start to come back. But then even the Mariners got a bigger, bigger lead after that. And then it all came crashing down in the end arm. Dude, I... <laughs> This is the thing with the Astros, and this is why they're they're just such a problem in this postseason is you can get a bad start from your Hall of Fame ace and still somehow climb back into it. it it's like the Mariners really knock them down with their best punch and somehow the Astros get back up and end up outlasting them in this fight like that's that to me really is going to we talk about setting the tone i mean mariners win that game and we're, we're talking about okay can they pull this off can they at least give them a run for their money i'm really interested to see how the mariners bounce back from this because that's as heart-wrenching of a loss as you're going to get and not only that you know we're going to get into the like the bullpen decision there uh ultimately you go to robbie ray uh to well go get jordan alvarez in that spot I don't know how much experience Robbie Ray has coming out of the pen other than when he was too bad to be a starter. You know, I, I just don't really understand that move. It's not like Jordan's worse against lefties for the most part. And it seemed like we all knew that was going to happen, right? I mean, like Peter and I were sitting at the game and we see the situation and we're like, oh my gosh, is he going to homer there? Jack texts in the group chat, if he homers, you know, I'm going to be very, very <laughs> aroused for a prolonged amount of time. Yeah. Uh, like it, this was something that, you know, we all were like, oh, this is so going to happen here. I, I just was surprised to to see Ray there in that spot. That said, Jordan is the dude that I think is just really making his case as not only one of the best hitters in the game, but but also just a consistent postseason performer. It's easy to forget that he's still so young. Good tweet by Javon, who writes player props over at JustBaseball.com. Jordan Alvarez up as the winning run at the plate. Do you, A, bring in a pitcher who the Astros own, B, bring in a pitcher who has a home run problem, or C, bring in a starter who hasn't come out of the pen and got rocked three days ago, or D, all of the above? I thought that was a very good tweet. I mean, the Astros own him. Jordan has good numbers against him. He has a home run problem, has given up some of the most home runs in Major League Baseball this season, and you bring him in against Jordan Alvarez just for the lefty-lefty. I don't know. I felt like the Mariners. But Arm and I were talking about the game. In hindsight, like it's easy to say that that was a bad decision. But you know what? Maybe it just was a bad decision even before it. I don't know why they did that. Because they just have a slew of, of arms. Would you have rather given it to another bullpen arm? Any any, any bullpen yeah. arm. <laughs> yeah. Anyone. I mean, I don't know. Tough decision there. But he hit it 117 and it was electric for Houston. I mean, that bat flip. He just chucked the bat and the Astros dugout just came roaring in after him. That was playoff baseball. That was electric, Jack. So he is um, quickly becoming one of the more consistent postseason performers in the game. And, you know, I, I want to save the hyperbole here because, uh, you know, we, we negated a certain comp to David Ortiz last night. But, I mean, yeah, like he is a mini poppy right now. He's a 25-year-old poppy right now. And he, he's certainly on that trajectory, but you can't say that he is, you know, there or better at this moment. But what you can say about Jordan Alvarez is this guy has been absolutely sensational in his career 
and in the postseason. Jordan, I mean, you look at his career numbers at this point per 162 across his four seasons of baseball, hitting 296 with a 973 OPS, averaging 40 doubles, 43 homers, and 125 driven in. I mean, that is prolific. And in 35 games in his postseason career, this guy's hitting 291 with an 891 OPS, 17 RBIs. What he does in the postseason, again, he was the ALCS MVP last year. He is one of the best hitters in baseball during the regular season, and he does not take a step back. And I think when Robbie Ray came out of the bullpen, and I'm not just saying this because I like I am, you know, pounding the pavement against Robbie Ray. I'm just saying, you know, that there's a good chance that something bad happens for Seattle and and the worst thing happened for Seattle. And it was not a ball that you had to wait to see if it got over or not. It was a tank pulverized into oblivion. It was a home run as soon as it left Robbie Ray's hand before even Jordan Alvarez swung. I'm just curious, why didn't they bring in Swanson? Why didn't they bring in Penn Murphy? You thought Robbie Ray was the answer here? It's... That's more of a tone setting decision, I think, than anything. I think Scott Service asked Robbie, hey, are you good to go in a situation that presents itself? He says yes. And that's something that could galvanize Seattle. My thought is that's something that could galvanize the Mariners. You know know what galvanizes Seattle? A win. A win. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And ultimately, I want to go to the hard-throwing slider wielder that they pull out of their bullpen that's just going to throw nasty stuff. Also, you could you could probably benefit from just not pitching to him. I I know this lineup is brutal top to bottom in terms of like what you have to see, what you have to deal with and I know Bregman was was a problem in that game too. He also homered, but I would have definitely nibbled at the corners, pitched around him a bit more. It yeah. didn't seem like that was the plan for Ray. He went right after him, which is even crazy. 94 yeah. right there. And wasn't it an 0-1 pitch? Just not good decision making overall. I, 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 it's shocking to me. But that said, you can't take anything away from the Astros, which is the fact that they are just a a juggernaut of an offense to go with the pitching. That uh, we got to also highlight the fact that after Verlander gave up six, the bullpen did its job, right? I mean, Abreu comes in, doesn't give up a run, strikes out three in an inning and two thirds. Javier gives up one run. That's it. That's all they're going to get from the bullpen. Then Hunter Brown shutout inning, and then Montero, you know, shuts the door. I mean, that That's really what, what is amazing with, with this team is when the starters aren't there, you still have the bullpen that can keep the deficit in check and an offense that can pretty much overcome any deficit. Uh, that That's what makes a championship team. I'm not counting out the Mariners from winning this series. Obviously, it's just game one and there's plenty more baseball to go, but this felt, this felt like a very deflating because yeah. you consider the Mariners – I guess their problem this year has been their offense, even though they're just a really good team. But if you found a hole, it's their offense. And they put up seven runs and you lose on the back of your bullpen because Robbie Ray was the guy who delivered the final blow. But Andres Munoz, an inning, gave up three hits. Seawald got him into that position. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. And Seawald obviously was was the was the guy who ended up really the hold, up though. the final blow. Yeah, <laughs> nice fucking stat. And then Robbie Ray, the hammer. So <laughs> it's just when your offense scores seven runs and then it's your bullpen that gives it up. But Gilbert pitched pretty well. Yeah, G- Gilbert was pretty yeah. good. Yeah, especially like on the road game one in <clears throat> Minute Maid Park. That's a tough environment. And we know how lethal this Astros offense is. For him to go in there and have 
almost a quality start, you know, five plus three and runs. I mean, that, that was solid. He looked good. If you got that win and you handed the ball off to Luis Castillo tomorrow after an off day today, I mean, Astros fans are shaking in their boots as they should be, but now Astros are in the driver's seat. Yeah. They're, they're going to need a Luis Castillo, you know, true, true ace performance, which I think they can get. I think they can get, and I don't care how good your lineup is when an ace is on, it doesn't matter. Um, But that's the kind of outing they're going to need from Luis Castillo. I, I, I am so excited for that one because you're going to see, I think, a different level of intensity from Castillo because I think he he's embraced the role of of the ace of this young staff. And yeah. uh, obviously, Robbie Ray is not the ace of this staff when he's coming out of the pen. And, and I think, you know, when you see Castillo embrace that role, playing meaningful games and being the ace of this team, I think we're going to see a different level of intensity out of him because he knows that the series really rides uh, on his back at this point, if he doesn't pitch well, you could pretty much call it. But it, he has a chance to bring them right back into this, split the series, get back to Seattle, where we know those fans are waiting for them very eagerly. That's yeah. why I'm not that you cannot count these Mariners out because if they win that game with Castillo, then you go back to T-Mobile with right. the Seattle fans just jumping. This could be a five-game series, and then anything could happen in Game Five. So I'm not counting the Mariners out yet. I've heard a lot of chatter that like that was the nail in the coffin, and I agree. No, it very hurts, tough though. loss. It hurts, but that doesn't mean the series is over. Even though the Astros are so amazing, they were supposed I still to lose think this one. Goes, I still think this is going like five. <laughs> yeah, they were supposed to lose this one. It was Verlander versus Gilbert. Yeah, and we'll see how Castillo and Valdez shakes out tomorrow. Um, off day today again. Last thing on this Astros Mariners game that I want to hit on. How do you guys feel about the pitcher usage for Houston? Because you've got Framber game two, McCullers is the probable game three. You mm-hmm. used Christian Javier for four outs and Hunter Brown for three. Found it weird that they were going to Javier and Hunter Brown down five runs, four runs at that time. Didn't understand it. Why was Javier? Uh, couldn't Javier be the game four starter? I, I guess thought he should have been just, the game three starter. Or game three starter. Game four, yeah. They just keep using him in the bullpen. The Astros are like, screw your preconceived notion of who you think Javier is. He's our bullpen guy for some reason, even though he's been one of the best starters in the American League this season. I, I think, which this might be weird, but I, at least from the Hunter Brown perspective, I, I think they literally wanted to get him work because these <laughs> these are two guys that haven't pitched in a week, right? I. I'm I'm wondering I, at least on the Hunter Brown side I don't know about Javier I would love for that guy to get the ball game four but they might wanted to, they might have wanted to get him work too uh, because you don't know how the game flow is going to go the next couple of days I, I think in that one they definitely wanted to get Brown work he isn't pitching over a week uh, Javier I don't think has pitched in some time either that's the funny part I think they just wanted to get them a little bit of work there but I don't I don't know how that's gonna how that's gonna factor into you know their usage moving forward I assume both are very available yes. uh, for the next game as well uh but yeah I, I think it was just they've been so going so long without throwing they wanted to just get them a little bit of run yeah um all right next one that we got to hit on is Guardians Yankees I mean but before we do the game intricacies Peter I do want you to walk me through your transition of emotions during that Donaldson uh, out. No, I mean, it was, it was weird. I mean, especially like in game because you're not, you're not sitting on your couch and you're just getting consistent replays. So in real time, it was just so bang, bang. And all of us were looking at each other, just so incredibly confused. Um, But at that moment, it did seem like the Yankees had the momentum um, so I guess it wasn't as deflating as maybe it might have yeah. seemed like on TV. 
it was more just like, whoa, that was crazy. And like Donaldson wouldn't, I mean, but to, to Donaldson's not credit because it was a dumb play. Everyone in the stadium thought it was a home run too. Or at least I, I thought it was. Aram, I think you did too. And I think yeah, most absolutely. Yankee fans thought it was a home run. So that's why we were almost much more confused rather than upset at Donaldson because it seemed like it went out. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't as outwardly like fuck Donaldson as I thought it would be. I still had a field day. Um yeah. I had a great time. That's the second an anti Donaldson guy. Yeah. You'd have a field well, day, but in the stadium yeah. it, it was just like, whoa, that was they, the weirdest play. They showed the replay though, and the second they showed the replay, you just hear everybody like, "Oh shit!" Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> like you see it hit right off the top of the wall, and I looked at Peter. I was like, "Dude, no way!" Um, but you know, it, it, it's one of those where it, it's tough because it's it's so short on that side, and you kind of assume anything that has a shot out there is leaving, right? Like when you do hug it down the line, you figure it's gone. And Donaldson has hit several home runs this season that kind of just snuck over that wall over there. And, um, you know, I think he thought he had the latest one, but in the playoffs, I know it sounds like cliche and whatever, but you got to be booking it out of the box, man. Like you have no idea. And even if you think it's gone, like, okay, God forbid you run into second and then it ends up being a home run. Then you jog the rest of the way. Like it wasn't like some nuke off the bat. We thought it was probably gone, but I I don't think we were like, Oh, pimp that thing and watch it fly. Like it was like, Oh, is that going? Is it going? Is it going? It's gone. Oh, maybe not. Like I just don't understand how this still happens to players. Like it's, it's one of those things where I'm all for pimping the home runs. It's awesome. It's fun, but But hit it like you're not for winning ball games. Hit it 117 on a <laughs> walk off where, where it goes 500 feet. That Donaldson was going to be a squeaker regardless. It's not like he crushed that ball. And maybe this was specific to our area, Aram, but I could hear the Yankee fans near us being more upset at the fan who didn't cheat and reach their arm over that Donald said it was like pull a cheater like in that game where, <laughs> where that home run where the, where the fan reached over the fed. So, it at least the energy around us. It was not upset at Donaldson. It was just people oh, were more upset when, when Cole gave up the the solo shot to Quan. Everyone's like, oh, thirty six million dollars yeah. oh, for this. I'm like, older. dude, it's yeah, one people were on his ass. It was <laughs> right like away. he gave up a Grand five slam. run home run. That's yeah. what it seemed like. Like it, that. That was the more. That was the thing is people are waiting to pounce on Cole, and and that's waiting. where I kind of want to toss it to Jack here, who loves the pitcher narratives. Uh, I, and I love Jack's thoughts on this because, you know, we were there, and it was like, you know, the question we were asking is like, oh, is Cole going to rise to the occasion? Is Cole going to rise to the occasion? You know, I, of course we said no, or at least you know I did, um, but <laughs> I said regardless. No. I took his over, you know, on strikeout props. So I think my my truly deep down, I had a feeling he was going to th- shove, but I won't, you know, admit that before. And he shoved, he shoved. And with all of Yankee Stadium waiting to pounce on him, I will say they were cheering him on early, but you know, like the second that Quan Homer, they were waiting to pounce on him. He's but right. he, he really shut the door at every stop for the most part and turned in an ace outing. Yeah. yeah and, and just that energy of them wanting to jump on him. Once he then got out of that big inning where his bases loaded and then he started to gain traction, you saw the energy shift from, yes, we're watching Garrett Cole, home run, vulgar insults being thrown to, here's our ace. And he yep. delivered that ace start. He, We talked about it, the biggest X factors, like almost in this whole 
playoffs in terms of their reputation moving forward. Trey Turner with the Dodgers because of his postseason struggles. And Garrett Cole's postseason struggles have been overblown. But I think when you're getting paid upwards of $300 million and your last start in the memory of those fans is the blow up in Fenway against the rival for him to come back in game one and deliver a start like that. Like he really has in his entire postseason career. It just put again, that nail in the coffin where that was just a bad start in Fenway. He's not a bad postseason performer because this is a tough guardians lineup. I mean, they don't strike out They're They're, they're frisky and he, he dominated them and it was awesome to watch. Um, I, what I will say is, uh, headlines, all you got to know from Lindsay Adler with the athletic, how Garrett Cole Yankees ace handles the hardest job in the league. Yeah. It is the hardest job in the league and Yankee fans. I'm telling Yankee fans fucking hate Garrett Cole. I do believe that <laughs> with, with every ounce of my being, you guys hate Garrett Cole. Uh, um, I think that's a little much, but I don't think it's unfair of you to say, because, I think even me included, we're waiting to jump on this guy. It's just when you are paid an incredible, incredible, incredible amount of money. And it's not like you're a hitter where you only get, you know, four at bats in a game and like you could strike out three times. But if you hit a big homer, pitching is different. You know, if you give up a three run home run, your the box score looks a lot different for you. I agree with you. I think it's. It's it's weird because he's also had so many things when he's being interviewed, right? The sticky he's, stuff. The it's the, the personality that, that that that's baked into this whole thing too, right? Yeah. It's like it's the way he is that I think also brings this out of people a little bit. But what I will say is this isn't unique to Yankees fans and Garrett Cole. I mean, we're talking about Mets fans who talk a pitcher that's getting paid big money, Max Scherzer. <laughs> yeah. They booed that man <laughs> off the field. They booed that man off the field. I know he sucked. I know yeah. he sucked. But, but here's the difference. Boot. Here's the difference. They went into that start saying, oh, we got Max on the mound. We're good. Yankee fans, they go into that start saying, ah, shit, Garrett Cole's on the mound. Like, he might blow up and we might be pissed at him. Like, that's almost what Yankee fans default to with Garrett Cole, I think. Like, yeah, because like, of this season, I don't think that they were thinking that going into the wild card game last year when he was even better. I, I thought he was going to pitch very well in that wild yeah, the card wild game. That's card why game I was, was so upset. Was the first domino. But it was he had he gave up the most amount of home runs this year of any qualified pitcher. Can he had a three five zero ERA. Yeah. No, I think it was of any qualified pitcher. I mean, maybe it was Patrick Corbin. I don't even know if Patrick Corbin qualified. Whatever. I looked on Fangraphs, looked up home runs, and it had Garrett Cole at number one. Um, but he was in the upper echelon at least. Mm-hmm. So I think there was there was a fine worry. Is our ace? While he did have great underlying numbers and the peripherals were great, and he struck out 257 guys, there was the worry there because in the back of our head, we remember the Fenway game. And as we remember the amount of home runs he's allowed this year, I think it was perfectly fair to be a little bit nervous, but he calmed those nerves and dominated. So, credit to him. Home runs total on the year number one is Josiah Gray. 38 homers in 148 innings, then Garrett Cole at 33, then Robbie Ray at 32, Marco Gonzalez and Herman Marquez at 30, and then Jose Barrios at 29. So, I mean, like, it's not a great group, right? No. And and that's the the weird juxtaposition that is Garrett Cole in 2022. You talk about the strikeouts, you talk about the innings, you talk about all that stuff, but the, the damage was just not limited. And, and that's, you know, that was the struggle for him, fastball location. It, he was locating in this start, and it just seemed like – he was in control. Even when runners were on, it just seemed like the, the the hit would be 
a tall task. Whereas, you know, sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Um, if Garrett Cole's in this form, the Yankees are going to be a problem. And I mean, this was as, as good of a first game you can get on top of that. What I said last episode, right. Was, are they going to pitch to Aaron judge? I assume no. And if they don't, who's going to pick him up? He got picked up yesterday by Anthony Rizzo, and that's how the Yankees are going to progress through the playoffs. Judge will get his spots where they have to pitch to him, and he'll come through. He's going to do what he does. And he got on base a couple times. like He did everything he could, but he's not going to see a lot to hit, and other guys in this lineup are going to have to pick him up. We saw that happen. That's more than enough uh, to, to advance in this series. Yeah, also, yeah. baseball fans called the Jordan Montgomery for Harrison Bader trade basically over that the Cardinals just won that trade. Harrison Bader – Shout out the hometown kid, Harrison Bader, with the huge home run for the Yankees. And also, I want to shout out IKF. I mean, I was so upset in the early part of this game after that error and then that double play. I I tweeted, I was like, I think he has a negative F war, 0.6 for this game through two innings. But he came through again with the big hit. And this whole lineup was great. I mean, Donaldson, Donaldson had two hits, hit the ball really hard. Um Oswaldo Cabrera, you know, he's still a young guy. This playoff debut over three with two Ks, not ideal. But overall throughout the lineup, they hit the ball hard. And, you know, Quantrill's been great this year. And that and that Cleveland bullpen has also been great, too. And the Cleveland bullpen really stopped a lot of the damage. But the Yankees were hitting the ball hard, and it was just a great game. Great yeah, game. Yeah, it was a great game to watch. You guys were there. Um, last thing on Cole is this doesn't dispel anything about Garrett Cole, but this is the best thing to happen to his mentals moving forward oh, in this postseason. It couldn't agree with you thing. more. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's 98 Bayou when he's on, which is just so fun. And like he was, he was blowing 98 past people middle, middle yesterday. But when he's on, he can do that. He can get away with 98 down the deck because of how high spin it is the perceived rise of that pitch. And then he snaps off these crazy hammers. Um, he looked like the Garrett Cole that, you know, was paid $324 million. And I think he will continue to do so. But yeah, I mean, that Rizzo Homer Bader stepping up, like that is the biggest thing for Aaron judge protection that we can get. And if uh, Garrett Cole, we said this, if Garrett Cole can be the ace of ace, this team can win the World Series. If you get a good start from Nestor and you get a good start from Sebi, this series could be over quick. Ace of aces. I do have to say that. I heard you say ace of ace a couple times. Ace of ace. ace. Ace of aces. Ace of aces. Ace of aces. Aces. One word. Ace of aces. Last thing on this series is, I mean, if Cleveland somehow wins that, momentum swings back in their favor because, oh, wow, the Yankees don't have slouches going with Nestor Cortez and, and Severino. I'll take Bieber and McKenzie, who they have going back to back here. One of those games being home, yes. you know, McKenzie at home is going to be a blast to yes. watch. But even Bieber at Yankee Stadium trying to get the split here, uh, it was it was a big win because uh, we talk about the way the, the these pitching matchups line up. This is another example of that. Um, very excited to see what our our friend Nestor does and uh, rooting for him for big time uh, to, to put, turn in a great start. But you know, it's going to be a tall task to match Bieber and then match McKenzie at home. It was uh, yeah. It's going to be tough. Well, what I do know is that, you know, we've said it before, too. The Guardians have struggled against lefties. They're going to go up against Nestor. And the Yankees have kind of beaten up on Shane Bieber. They beat up on him in that 2020 postseason, even with Bieber being so electric, winning the American League Cy Young. Um, so I think I personally am predicting that the Yankees win that game two game in New York. 
And then that McKenzie Severino game, I mean, anything could happen. I'd almost probably give the lean to Cleveland, but that's why I said I wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees swept and ended this quick. What is Apple's model spitting out for that Friday game? We'll have to see. Just stay tuned. Okay. Uh, 5-3, the Dodgers beat the Padres in game one yesterday. Julio Reyes allows three runs in the fifth. But um, I, I said it on Monday's pod. Mike Clevenger starting that game one zaps momentum for San Diego, totally zapped momentum for San Diego. I mean, that was like, you could see it clear as day when you saw Clevenger listed as the probable starter after a non COVID related illness traveled separately from the team. And Oh, by the way, even when he didn't have a non COVID related illness, he sucked the backstretch of the season. I mean, that was a guaranteed one, nothing start for the Dodgers. (laughs) What they think was going to happen. I don't know. Like you said it yourself, he wasn't good down the stretch and you have the, the non COVID related illness traveling separately, all of those things. What did they think was going to happen? I will say though, this game ended up much closer than I thought it would be. You see five zero in the third. I'm like, this is going to be, you know, a bloodbath and they get three back and, and kept the the Dodgers in check besides that, uh, which is even almost all the more frustrating. You have a decent start from whoever gets the ball there. And you might have a chance in this one. You get to Arias for three, you know, and that's that's the impressive part. They did have them in a couple of jams later on that they couldn't really push the run across. But, you know, might have been a little bit different if they didn't have a five front deficit to start with. And uh, that's what is most shocking to me. The fact that you get after that pretty much six and a third scoreless innings from, you know, just a bunch of other, you know, random relievers compared to, to what the Dodgers are rolling out there. Like that's frustrating because, you know, you, you feel like you could have had a chance if you didn't have Clevenger go out there and give up four earned runs in two and two thirds. And while this was a tough one, it, it almost kind of felt like that, um, how the Braves built momentum at the end. I think the Padres building momentum against a guy like Julio Arias, who has been, you know, arguably one of the best left-handed pitchers in all of baseball, uh, maybe in the National League this year by the numbers. So to be able to get three off him, make this game close, because it was also, you know, there was a double play from Will Myers where he kind of hit the piss out of the ball. And it was a great play by Gavin Lux, the turn by Trey Turner in order to get that out. But they were close here, and they were supposed to lose this game anyway. So they going in probably, we're going to be down 0-1, but then we have the trio of Darvish, then Snell, then Musgrove. The Padres are still definitely in this, and we're going to talk about these game twos in a little bit, and I'm going to have some takes for us because I think the Padres are certainly still in it, especially with Darvish. But to also um, Arias' credit, like he pitched really well early on, and then he kind of got beat up in the end. But again, this Dodgers bullpen is just so, so good. And that's, again, like the Astros. It's You look at the starting pitching, you look at the offense and how good they are, but then they also just have such great bullpen arms back there. Four innings, three hits, no runs, four punch outs for Phillips, Vesia, Gratterall, Martin on the back of Arias. Elite. And if, if Craig Kimbrell was on the roster, like Padres might have won that game. And you look at what, what Dave Roberts said, you know, Dave Roberts is like our bullpens built to outlast them. That's something that he mentioned. They mentioned it on the broadcast yesterday. And uh, that's the craziest part is they, they really feel like they can just outlast everybody with the amount of bullpen arms that they have. And we, if, if this does go five, we are going to be in the driver's seat because we have so many arms that our guys are going to be fresh and we're going to be able to, to go to the right guys in the right spots. I mean, credit all through one pitch, right? So yeah. it, they have so many bullpen options that if this does go deep into a series, and I, I do think the Padres are going to give them, you know, their, their best shot. 
the, the Dodgers just have so many advantages. And I think outlasting teams with your bullpen depth is one of the ways you can really climb in this postseason and, and really, you know, make, make your mark. And uh, that's exactly what these Dodgers are built to do. And I'm interested to see how Roberts handles the bullpen because it's always been short starts, right? Nobody goes deep and starts for the Dodgers ever. It, it just never happens with Dave Roberts, especially at the helm never happens. And I think this is exactly how they wanted this game to go. Five innings for Marias, shut the door with your bullpen. I think that's how they're going to try to approach it with Kershaw, too. I, I saw a note on the Twitter sphere. I think Julio Rios has reached 100 pitches this year twice, once or twice. I mean, this guy just like does not go deep into games. Kershaw is not going to go deep into a game because, frankly, his body won't allow him to go deep into a game anymore. Uh, and, and Gonsolin and Tyler Anderson, I mean, the only reason they weren't in the Cy Young conversation is because they were nowhere close to sniffing 200 innings. Um, and, and Sandy blew by it. So... Yeah, I just think it's like it's crazy the confidence they have in guys that pop out of nowhere, right? And end of 2020, beginning of 2021, do we know who Evan Phillips is? Fuck no. Do we know who Alex Vesia is? Yes. No. Yeah. Vesia? Yeah. We know. Vesia's been a dog. No, nah, he was a Marlin. That's the only reason why I know who he is. Yeah, exactly. He had a crazy scoreless inning streak with the fish. And then, of course, they traded him. Like the only guy that we do know is Trinan. And Kimbrel, obviously. But I mean, yeah. you didn't use Trinan or Yancy Almonte yesterday, and those guys are beasts in the Almonte is sick. Yeah. Almonte is real good. So, like, I, I think the Dodgers are set up for a lot of success here. And I think that they can ride Kershaw for five, maybe all they six. Need. That's all they need, which is just so crazy. Um, I right. also let's shout out the bottom of the Padres lineup that just continues to roll. We talked a lot about the Dodgers, but I mean, Haseong Kim, you know, he went one for four with a run scored. Trent Grisham again, <laughs> one for three. Dude, Austin Nola, one for four with a run scored. We're shouting that out. I mean, the the bottom of the Padres lineup, if we're comparing it to the top of the Padres lineup with, you know, Juan Soto, Manny Machado, and Brandon Jury and Josh Bell going at combined over. Wow. Or one for 11. I mean, the bottom of the lineup with Jake Cronenworth, who again went two for four. The reason I'm shouting him out is they were the only <laughs> they were the only people pr- providing production for this Padres lineup. And that's what they've been doing this entire playoffs. Yeah. All right. Move forward to uh, game two. Quick predicts. Let's do it. Uh, Phillies Braves. Let's start 435 today. That's Wheeler and Kyle Wright. Um, Zach, obviously coming off of an incredibly strong start. Kyle Wright has a lot of rest under his belt. Again, I like this late momentum that Atlanta built. I do. Uh, I think that Wheeler is firing on all cylinders right now. I think that that fastball at the top of the zone can live there. Um, but I think that Atlanta can make a correction. I think low scoring. And I think that Atlanta wins this by a run. I I hope so. I hope so. I, 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 I just I want to see. I honestly I, I don't have a preference. If, if it does go two zip, I think the Braves still put up a good fight. But I, I want to see this go five regardless. So however that has to happen, I would love to see that happen. Wheeler, weirdly, right now, even though Nola's looked so insane, Wheeler almost scares me more because I, I have faith that the Braves just kind of know how to grind Nola out, even if he's on. I feel like they'll get him out of there in five or six. 
the way Wheeler has been efficient and the way that he can go deep into games, I, I'm a little nervous that that he could end up, you know, kind of carving them up. And uh, that's the thing. Can they grind him out? Can they get him out of there? It's not really about getting to Wheeler or Nola. It's about getting them out. Just yes. getting them out of the game before the seventh inning. If they can do that, I really think they'll get to the bullpen. Uh, but, you know, that's a tall task because Wheeler and Nola, when they're on, they're some of the most efficient pitchers in baseball, especially Nola. Uh, but they're going to have to outlast these guys. And I'm very interested to see how they can grind them out because some of the, some of these guys in the Braves lineup are extremely aggressive um, and, and you want to see more pitches. You want to get them out of there, uh, but also you don't want to go too deep into counts and, and put yourself in a spot where you can strike out. So I'm very excited to see how they set the tone, what their approaches look like. Cause I know they're going to have a very tangible plan against Wheeler. And, and I'm very interested to see what that looks like. Yeah. I think the Phillies are going to win. I think Zach Wheeler is going to dominate. Because uh, I think it's also important because it's Nola has pitched so many innings this year. You know, he's been healthy for basically the entire season. But Wheeler, you know, he dealt with that injury. Now he's back. It's not the 200-inning Wheeler. This is fresh arm. And if he's going 99 to 100, I mean, it's not that much of a drop-off from like a Jacob deGrom. I think Wheeler, when he's gone, is in that type of breath at this moment. We saw it against the Cardinals. You know, the Braves strike out a lot, and I think Wheeler's going to have his way with them. And I think that if Wheeler can go seven or eight, and then you got Alvarado, like you might not even have to deploy Sir Anthony Dominguez. And I think Kyle Wright, you know, the the Phillies are low ball hitters. I could see the Phillies, you know, kind of hitting around Kyle Wright a little bit. I think the Phillies are going to get an early lead, but I think the Braves are going to claw their way back. I agree. I think it's going to be close. I don't think the Phillies just dominate this matchup, but I do think that they win. And I wouldn't be surprised if if they win by a couple runs, but I think Philly wins by one or two. That's my prediction. Okay. What's what's interesting is you look at Kyle Wright. He's pitched the most innings against two NL East foes. One is the Nationals. He's thrown 20 innings against them, a 3-1-5 ERA. The other is the Phillies, and in 19 innings, a 2-8-4 ERA. The Phillies are hitting just 123 against him. Obviously, the postseason, we've seen that a lot, where guys are really good against a team in the regular season, get to him in the postseason. But it is interesting. It is something to follow. Maybe Kyle Wright can match him. This is going to be a really awesome opportunity to, to see how Kyle Wright performs on Great. the big stage. This was a big year for him, right? This was his big kind of breakout season. How does he do in the postseason? Can he kind of keep this rolling? Yeah. Uh, nightcap at 837 is Darvish and Kershaw in Padres Dodgers. What I will say about Darvish, four starts at 2-5 ERA against the Dodgers this year, but his ERA jumps by a run on the road. 2-6 at home, 3-5 on the road. Darvish just put together a great start against New York, and the epitome of a U Darvish experience would be him getting blown up his second start, right? One on, one off. That's the U Darvish special. Um I really don't feel like this is as leg legacy cementing a start as we like to make every Clayton Kershaw postseason start feel. I don't feel like Clayton Kershaw is, you know, oh, Kershaw was Kershaw this year, even though he was. He was 12 and 3 with a 228 ERA. But it doesn't feel like, okay, here he is, the best regular season pitcher of all time. Let's see what you do in the postseason. It doesn't feel like that just because he's been so on and off and the Dodgers have been so freaking good, regardless of if Kershaw is in the rotation or not. Um, I think this is going to be the most stress-free a postseason outing as Kershaw has had in years. Agreed. And I think that you Darvish falters. I think the Dodgers jump out to nothing. I, you know, you, you said in years, I think in his whole career, this is yeah. the least pressure that's ever been on. They're up 1-0 anyway. 
they are the better team. They're at home. It's it's almost if they lose this game, it's not that big of a deal because I'm sure that they have full confidence in their bullpen and their offense to keep rolling. And, you know, you're right, Jack. You Darvish has had his problems on the road, and he's had his problems on the road his entire career. But that ERA is a little bit inflated from a couple of absolute bombshell outings where he just got rocked overall he's been good both at home and on the road this season I think the Padres win this game I think they even it up I think we get a really good start from you Darvish even though Clayton Kershaw has also thrown 12 innings and allowed one earned run to the Padres but that was earlier in the year that was before Juan Soto came over that was before um, Josh Bell came over that was before Brandon Jury came over I think the Padres even the series I think they gained a little bit momentum with the late runs against Julio Arias I think at this point they think Think they can hit anybody and they're playing with nothing to lose here um, because nobody expects the Padres to win this. I Same thing with the Phillies here. I think the pressure is all on the Braves and I think the pressure is going to mount a little bit for the Dodgers and the Padres squeak out a win here um, behind you, Darvish, and uh, the Josh Hader bullpen. In the Josh Hader bullpen. <laughs> the Josh Hader on, bullpen. On only like when he has... three days rest, right? I think that's enough rest for him. Ah, shit. I don't know. You know, though? <laughs> well, the, to, to piggyback off of Jack's point on on Kershaw and the limited pressure relative to what he's experienced. I mean, since Kershaw, you know, joined the Dodgers at the big league level in 2008, I don't think there's ever been a season where you're like, okay, just fly from you, Clayton, and we're good. Like this version of the Dodgers, the way that the game is trended and also the Dodgers being one of the, the leaders in that trend, yeah. it, it's really just... Uh, it it changes what he needs to do, right? Like Kershaw has to give you five innings. Okay. If he goes and gives you five innings of one run ball or even two run ball, everyone says, all right, good, good start, Clayton. No <laughs> one's talking about his legacy. No one's talking about anything. Like, I agree. I think this is a totally different, you know, kind of situation here. I think that's why he's going to rise to the occasion. It's it's about the bullpen though, and we'll see how that how that bullpen holds up. Obviously, it's really really good, but it only takes one swing from some of the most talented hitters in baseball, and that's why the Padres they can keep it within one swing. They're a scary team. He's and in by- the Lebr- he's in the LeBron conversation, right? Like if LeBron gets to the finals again, it's he's already cemented his legacy. I'm not calling Clayton Kershaw the greatest player ever, like you could say LeBron is, but I think he's in that realm where he got the monkey off his back in the last postseason and he performed very well. And it's only really been some blow up innings. Like it's always, you know, I joke around with my Dodger friends that Clayton Kershaw through five is great, but it was that sixth inning that always came back to bite him. I think Clayton Kershaw is fully ingrained in all Dodger fans' hearts. Even if he doesn't pitch well, he's still their goat. Another thing we got to factor in. I'm, I'm all about the non-baseball intangibles. Uh, Clayton Kershaw at the beginning of his his career, no kids. Uh, his entire focus was on baseball. This guy's got several, I, I think two or three kids now. And and listening to the interviews that Kershaw does, it's so very clear that he is fully ingrained in the dad lifestyle and, and the SoCal parent and husband lifestyle. I think this dude is actually thinking about baseball less than he ever has in his entire career. And that's a good thing for him, especially in the postseason. I think the more you can compartmentalize negative baseball thoughts, the better. And I think that this guy is probably, and he will probably tell you, he thinks about baseball in the healthiest way he ever has in his entire career, which is cool. Very cool. So I think it's going to be a great game again. I just can't wait for these games today, but I'm going with both dogs. Going with both dogs. We'll both see what dogs. happens. I'm going with both favorites because I am chalk. <laughs> I mean, they'll probably win. <laughs> I mean, the Dodgers. Yeah, that, that's that's how it works, right? It's easier. It's easier to say that. No, but I mean, you know, I, I think it's interesting. You know, the Braves are like minus 140 favorites of Kyle Wright and against Zach Wheeler. Like, I just think that price for Wheeler 
just from a gambling sense is, is the way to go. And you got you Darvish at plus 165. I'll be jumping on that one. But and and if you win those bets, whichever way you go, why not use code October 15 in order to get some just baseball merch? 15% off. That's in the episode description. Get yourself a hoodie, get yourself a hat, be rocking the just baseball merch. And remember, if you are at a game and you're wearing a just baseball merch. Feel free to tag us in it, and we'll put it on our Instagram story. We want to shout you out. Thank you guys for ordering the merch. It's the best way to support this podcast, as well as if wherever you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, if you could rate and review five stars, let us know what you're enjoying about the podcast. And if you're watching us on YouTube, why might as well subscribe, right, Aram? Subscribe. Of course. Why not? Why not press that red button? Give us the like. Let us know in the comments who you think is going to win this game. Anything else, gentlemen? I don't think so. Happy baseballing. Uh, I am juiced up for the ALDS tomorrow, and I will actually be on the road, so I can't join you guys for the Thursday episode. But oh. what I will say real quick, Luis Castillo and Framber Valdez at 3.30 tomorrow, Shane Bieber and Nestor at 7.30 tomorrow. Oh, my God. You know where to find me. And the answer is TBS for about three and a half hours and then TBS again for about three and a half more hours. Who's on the call for that? It's Brian Anderson. It's it's B.A., Jeff Francoeur, and Matt Weiner for uh, Seattle and Houston. And then Guardians, Yankees is Costas, Ron Darling, and Shahadi again. Excited for Brian Anderson. Excited for Brian Anderson. And with that, thank you, everybody.